I've been beaten into submission, Matt. Oh, yeah? The holidays, they beat me into submission. Already? We've barely begun. (laughs) No, I'm saying I'm ready. Oh, you're in it now. (laughs) Yeah. No more complaining that it's no longer Halloween time. Yeah, I have to just kind of roll with it right now. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. You were scaring me for a minute there. Well, I'm kind of a stubborn guy sometimes. Yeah, but I'm telling you, man, it's all about Santa. You thought you had a great Halloween? Wait till Christmas. It's all about the Santa Claus, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So I was thinking, what are some of the Christmas films that were like major in my childhood and mm-hmm. i know yours too like we talked about home alone already here on the purple stuff podcast we did are there other christmas movies that we would deem worthy and appropriate to talk about here on the show i could think of three yeah christmas story mm-hmm. scrooged scrooge good pick mm-hmm. a national lampoon's christmas vacation yes Damn. That's one of the best of all time. God, it's a good thing this episode is all about it. It's a coincidental, yeah, yeah, that we started, just happened to be talking about it. What a lucky break that you opened with that. <laughs> Let us write to you. <laughs> what a memorable film for the both of us. Big time, huge movie. And I'll be honest, it came out, I think, in 89, right? Yeah. I did not get on this train immediately. For me, it was like one of those movies I didn't really start watching religiously until probably the late 90s. Really? So it was kind of like a horror genre for you in a way where it took you a little bit longer to get into. Yeah, I have to make sure everyone else is in on it before I join in. I'm a total bandwagoner. (laughs) That's one of those films that back then, it wasn't just universally adored because critics kind of crapped on it a little bit do i expect fucking movie critics to understand the brilliance that was uncle lewis i know that's it's a little bit above their heads right yeah totally (laughs) there are house fucks over there (laughs) this is common man humor i'm just the common man (laughs) (laughs) we're both real blue collar guys me especially yeah you you uh go out there you work in the steel mill i do i do (laughs) Listening to Bruce Springsteen. I'm telling you, the whole fucking project falls apart when I'm not there. (laughs) You got your flannel shirt on, wiping your brow. (laughs) Oh, God, you know. (laughs) So, yeah, that's one of those movies that I actually was, like, right on the bandwagon for immediately. Did you see it in theaters? Yes. Of course you did. We all went as a family. 
And this was a big event because I grew up in a household that was obsessed with the first vacation, National Lampoon's vacation. Yeah, I know that you are from National Lampoon people. Yes, we love that movie. And it's one of the movies that is so quotable. And I think that's what has made National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation so iconic. And enduring. You're right. It is largely attributable, if that's a word, to the how fucking quotable it is. It is. It just it lives on. It's almost like playing telephone or something. It just kind of spreads. Everybody quotes this movie. There was a point in my life where I had a group of friends and we basically only talked to each other in Christmas vacation quotes. <laughs> like that was it. Totally know what you mean. Yeah. I get accused of it all the time because even at work, I've had people comment like, Jay, you know, it's July and you're quoting Christmas Vacation. And I'm like, yeah, so what's wrong with that? Yeah, no, those quotes are good all year. Yeah. The gift that keeps on giving the <laughs> whole year. <laughs> oh, the jelly of the month club. Oh, God. So tonight on the Purple Stuff podcast, we're going to be discussing National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Naturally, we're not going to do a straight up movie review. Uh, we are going to do some deep diving tonight, plucking out little teensy things that we both really like about this movie. Yes, going to need the tweezers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Want to kick things off? Yeah, I guess it's my turn to start, right? Let's do it. All right, here's my first thing from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Number one. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Get you something to eat? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere? Leave you for dead? No, I'm doing just fine, Clark. So I know I have brought them up on the show before, but there's no way I can take part in a Christmas vacation podcast and not immediately go for the moose mugs. Yes. The moose mugs, they make me so happy. <laughs> there are a few scenes in the movie where people drank eggnog from these beautiful, gorgeous mugs shaped like moose heads. Right. And it's an obvious wink to Wally World from the original movie. Marty Moose. Marty Moose, right. Whatever. Wally's that his name? Yeah. Marty, Marty Moose. Yeah, Marty Moose from Some, Wally World. Somehow yeah. I forgot that. Marty Moose. Marty Moose. Yuck! That's me! Of course. What the fuck's wrong with me? You know what? I'm just going to fucking say it. I've never seen the original movie. <laughs> What the fuck? I'm not, not going to go through the next hour pretending I have. So all your references that I'm sure are yet to come, I'm just going to smile and nod. <laughs> so these days there are of course officially licensed moose mug replicas there's the punch bowl there's a shot glass there's a cookie cutter there is a christmas tree ornament yes and i know that's all old news for people who've heard our shows before but there is one little thing i wanted to add to the mix this time Ooh, what's that it's because of those moose mugs and those scenes in the movie that i finally gave in and started drinking eggnog really yeah I always thought you were, like, notoriously, like, a non-eggnog. You always say no to the nog. I That's do. What I, well, would, you think I would think that, you know? I'm generally anti-milk and milk things. Yeah. But just the way Clark drinks the nog in this movie... I think you have to refer to him as Clark! <laughs> the way Clark... <laughs> I like that. It's very bird-like. Um <laughs> The way he drinks that nog in this movie, it just, oh, I don't know how anyone could see those scenes and not want to do it right then and there. God, it does look so delicious when he drinks it because he says, it's good, it's good, it's good. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> that little, like, teeth chatter thing he does. Oh, yeah, so good. Yeah. 
So like this is just me taking the opportunity to say that if you are still avoiding eggnog because it seems kind of weird and gross, mm -hmm. it's time to get the fuck over it. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I'm totally with you on that. I love eggnog. Gonna just wait for whatever fucking giant vehicle that was to go by. <laughs> it was Optimus Prime's driving by the house right now. It was either the Turtles Pizza Wagon or the uh, one of those Mad Max. It was definitely those Mad Max, those reinforced van things with all the spikes. It was the Doof Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Back in like the late 90s, I wanted these mugs so bad. But no one really made them like it wasn't officially no, licensed. Oh, yeah. They were, yeah. I mean, people spent years yeah. openly crying for these things. I know. I was there on the internet in the very early 2000s doing that. Exactly. So it was like very early on. And there was a, an independent company that started making their own, right? And mm -hmm. it was like a GeoCities website. It was really like old school, low budget type situation. Green background, yellow text, spinning moose heads. Oh, <laughs> fucking, it was the bomb. That's exactly it. Yeah, I know. So, it's fucking Canadian yeah. fucking moose.com. I know that site. <laughs> I was on there every day. I wound up getting two of them because they were so expensive oh, at the they time. They were like 100 bucks each. <laughs> So, and it's like it's like a three paragraph explanation. Every moose mug is custom made. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so I uh, got them. And every year since, I would have uh, eggnog with my dad on Christmas Eve uh, out of these moose mugs. Yeah, what a great tradition. I'm glad you finished that story right at the time that the Mad Max van came right back. <laughs> that means it's true. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the fucking Mad Max van of truth. <laughs> Number two. Hey, Griswold. Where do you think you're going to put a tree that big? Bend over and I'll show you. You've got a lot of nerve talking to me like that, Griswold. I wasn't talking to you. The only thing that I can kick off a National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation show with is the scene in the film where Clark Griswold dresses up like Jason and Leatherface. Oh, so good. <laughs> After Clark is kind of frustrated with the tree and it was like way too big for the living room. Yep. So he goes to the garage. He puts on a hockey mask and he grabs a chainsaw. <laughs> This movie isn't just a comedy. It's very much like a horror movie when you look at it, because really, who wants all these people staying over their house for all that time? Are you kidding me? That's a nightmare. Well, especially these guests. I mean, every single one of them is nothing but trouble. That scene where the family arrives and they're all having that totally awkward small talk. It's super uncomfortable. Oh, it's terrible. To me, that's like a horror movie right there in itself. Hey, you know, they took a pint of fluid out of my lower back. You see this small? This small in my neck? You uh -huh. think it's changing color? No. Well, you keep it touching is. it. It's getting redder. Uh -huh. I got hemorrhoids. Can you believe that? Oh, mother.
And then they're coming up to the door and the doorbell is like getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And then it turns into like the Undertaker's theme song. Oh it does. It gets very Bong. Undertaker gong-like. Bong. Yeah. <laughs> bong, bong. But like, here's the thing, right? Clark invites them all into his home. They're eating all his food. And then there's the hound from hell drinking all the tree water. And they're making god-awful noises, like snoring. Yeah. So it's like a vampire monster movie. It is. It's like the Lost Boys (laughs) Christmas movie. (laughs) You know, I've noticed now that you're going into this, that this is something that you do with a lot of movies. I knew you were going to (laughs) say You turn totally saccharine family fun into fucking Suspiria over there. Are you really trying to tell me that National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is a horror movie? Yeah, it is. Well, maybe you're right. I mean, you're presenting a pretty good argument. We got a fucking slasher. We got monsters. (laughs) And we got music. Yeah. And it's all his own doing. It's almost like he conjured this to happen. Like he wanted it so bad that he used some sort of witchcraft. He's like, I just want an old fashioned Griswold Christmas. So he like wished it to happen. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden it's there and he immediately regrets it because he sees what a nightmare it is. And he tells his wife, he's like, yeah, I'll be outside for the season. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's almost got a, a biblical slant to it because he starts off with the original sin. He cuts that poor tree down. And he's just sort of paying the price oh, all is that... throughout the movie. Yeah. And oh, I thought I thought you were going to say he's paying the price because he was flirting with that girl behind the counter. That's another one of those sins, right? Original yeah. sin, mortal sin, and then he's fucked for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's, a, that's an angle. You know what you need? What's that? An account on Medium. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> well, brother, you got to find out because this is an essay worth writing. Fix the new post. Number three. I'm nervous because you don't know if he's getting nothing. I don't think you should be nervous, and you shouldn't be either. Because if you're good, Santa knows it. And if you believe in him, and you believe in your mom, and you believe in your your dad, and if you've been good all year round, Santa Claus is going to bring you something. For my second pick, I wanted to talk about some of the other choice items seen in this movie besides the moose bugs that I've always wanted to own. Oh, man, I can't wait to hear this. Yeah, so the situation here, and I'm sure it's the same for you, I've seen this movie at least 100 times, at least. I would probably say I may have even seen it more than that. Not not to not to one up you, just to say that I'm a freak when it comes to rewatching things. Yeah, no, look, I'm I'm being conservative of my estimate, but suffice it to say, we've both seen this movie quite a bit. Oh yeah. And after a while, you just start noticing all those little knickknacks and things kind of like hiding in the background, and it's just like, oh, you want them so bad. <laughs> First off is Clark's model swimming pool. I, that thing is awesome. Yeah. I know. It's like, I. why does he have one? I don't know. Well, I mean, when you go to put in a pool, 
you get a free pool replica. That's fucking bullshit, and we both know it. <laughs> so, like, you, you kind of have to assume that for some reason his job involved little tiny model pools. You know, one thing I will say about the scene, that I have to say this, because the swimming pool scene where he's flicking the diving board. Oh, my God, that's <laughs> little, I love that sound! <laughs> that oh. little sound? Doing. Doing. Oh God! Oh, I want it to be my like notification sound. Anytime my phone does fucking anything, I want to hear that doing. <laughs> One thing that I think doesn't get enough action: there's these giant pears and a banana behind him in his office or at home. No, no, in the office. Like oh my so. God. Okay, so a giant pear. Picture it like seventy-five times the size of a regular pear. Oh my god, he's got like the fucking ray guns from those Honey I Shrunk the Kids movies. He's making shit small and big. Yeah, and then behind him, you only see it for like a split second. Is there's a giant banana? Oh my god, how did I fucking miss this giant banana uh. and pear? I've been so <laughs> fixated on that boinging, sproying swimming pool. So those are two things that I totally have to add in there. And those would be the things you notice. Yeah. Uh, another one for me is the dinosaur-themed pajamas. I only just found out today that they're actually finally selling replica pairs. Oh, are they? Yeah, but they don't really look quite like it. Like, they're too blue, and the dinosaurs look a little too cartoony. To me, as long as they're officially licensed, I'm okay. Yeah, you know what? Actually, give me a minute. I'm just going to fucking order them right now. <laughs> Oh, uh, you got that one click set up yeah, on I fucking, Prime. I got, I got right? Prime. The fucking shit. That shit'll be here by the time yeah. we're done recording. <laughs> It'll be speedball messaging messenger service. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Number four. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah. So here's my pick. All right. Clark is drinking out of a Tasmanian devil mug. Okay, he made some coffee. Do you remember this scene? He's I, drinking I out absolutely do. It's so cool. Right. For years and years and years, I was looking for that mug. But this is like back in the day when I got the moose mugs, right? And when eBay was like early infancy. Yeah. It was like still like 50 bucks back then just because it had ties to the film. Right. So you always have like one or two that were up there. But the thing is, it's so easily confused because there's a lot of different Tasmanian they're devils. Just, they're, they're making a new Tas mug like every day. Yeah. So it has to be this special mug. But here's the point of the whole thing. Matt, I want you to log on to eBay. I'm going to do it right now. Here we go. Give me one second because every time I pull up a screen, everything goes slow. All right. I'm on eBay now. All right. You're going to look it up 1989 Tasmanian devil mug. Or Tasma. Are these people out of their fucking skulls? Are they out of their... What the fuck? First of all, the lowest. The lowest fucking price for one of these mugs is $130. But if you want it unused, $349. There's so many different kinds that look exactly the same. But you know the ones that are authentic. Because they're going from two fifty, three fifty. They got balls. These people, one hundred and thirty dollars. Like, get out of my you face! Know, you know what with I want to see? I want to see if anyone's actually. Oh my god! 
people have oh, paid that yes. like they're they're this they're, they're you know what my hat is off to them because they are real fans <laughs> no it's nuts though you're right because the ones that start like real low bids they'll start in like 40 50 bucks they sell for like over 200 dollars. yeah this is crazy this is not and they're all titled like griswold christmas vacation yeah yep I think like the main idea here is that something so inconsequential from that film is like so big amongst fans. And I love that because I love inconsequential things. Yeah, you do. This is like so up your alley. I could see you just sitting there like a hawk watching these auctions. <laughs> I'll never buy it. Like I don't need it. Like I need the moose mug. Yeah, so, I don't know. know, but it's almost like this is the really like this is once you know the band's like street discography this is the stuff you get into yeah this is deep cut yeah yeah like this is like the uh the remix album that you buy on eighth street <laughs> number five we're kicking off our fun old-fashioned family Christmas by heading out into the country in the old front-wheel drive sleigh to embrace the frosty majesty of the winter landscape and select that most important of Christmas symbols. We're not driving all the way out here so you can get one of those stupid ties with the Santa Clauses on it, are we, Dad? No, I have one of those at home. What we're looking for today is the Griswold family Christmas tree. Okay, so aside from the characters and the jokes and the story, one thing I love about this movie is how it's so visually Christmassy. Yes. Like every shot just screams Christmas and gets you in the Christmas mood. <laughs> Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> this was probably best exemplified by the Griswold family Christmas tree. Oh, it definitely was. Yeah. We had the rough start with them picking it up in the fucking forest or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> and it ended badly with Uncle Lewis setting the whole thing on fire. But between those two extremes, that tree was so picture perfect. Now, are you saying it's picture perfect when it was still in the forest in all its majestic beauty or <laughs> or when it was all <laughs> messed up on top of the car? Appreciating domestic beauty in nature. Yes, that's sort of my thing. No, I like it when it's covered in commercial garbage, of course, Jay. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. I mean, when they have it all decorated in their living room. Because I kind of liked it when all the roots were out and it was just like hanging on top of their car and like. <laughs> well, you're I mean, you're 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 a rustic guy. Yeah, oh yeah, real rustic. Yeah, <laughs> right, I agree with you. All the tinsel and lights and ornaments and all that, I'm totally into it. It is the tree that I will spend the rest of my life like mimicking when I do my trees. <laughs> first off clark uses the old school big bulbs the best bulbs i feel like they've kind of fallen out of favor with most people at least as far as indoor trees go well actually i think now they're kind of back because the past few years we've seen those but in like the led modern kind of forms uh, you, could so... take, you could take i don't want to tell you what you could do with your led lights <laughs> i like the old ones that are like hot to the touch and you like see stars when you look at them for more than 10 seconds yeah, I'm with you. I like the ones that there's an element of danger where you know that at some point over the season, you will have a fire. Yeah, it's absolutely necessary. <laughs> yeah. It's totally true because it gives the whole tree this sort of presence and yeah. power. Like, you know not to fuck with it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I'll come home, put my Christmas lights on, and I'm telling you, every single day, 
one of the bulbs is off, right? And yeah. then I'll go and I'll screw it in. Yeah. And then I'm like, why am I screwing this in? They were all screwed in nice and tight. So like, there has to be some Christmas elf that goes and unscrews those bulbs. There is no other explanation for that. It. I mean, you're absolutely right because this happens to me every year. It's like how I'm, I've strung it up. I put up this fucking light and They're all working. So obviously everything was fine. How are these things getting unscrewed? It's like, it's always the only solution. You just screw it and it starts working. Like, how the fuck is this happening? Who's like, whose job is this? Yeah, so it's a mystery. Yeah. Aside from those lights, even bigger perhaps for me was the popcorn garland. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, and I, I said tinsel, but I meant to say garland. That well, was they my had slip. the tinsel too. They had the icicle tinsel, which I could just take on this fucking desk right now. I love it so much. <laughs> but the popcorn garland, oh my God, the concept The popcorn of... garland wouldn't last a second on your tree because oh. you'd probably eat it. <laughs> I would. I would fucking run that fishing line like just across my mouth like it was a big fucking corn cob. <laughs> That whole tree, though, it's just like this big, awesome mess. Just totally like the trees I grew up with where there's no central theme. There's no like trying to be tasteful. It's just everything you own that goes on a tree is going on your tree. You know what the best part about it is? What's the best part about it? It's very full. Lots of sap. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis? My tree. So what's the matter with you? Number six. Merry All right, Matt, it's time for the Purple Stuff halftime show brought to you by Meisterbrow Beer. I was hoping that this would happen. <laughs> so we did this last show and we thought it was a good idea to do this where we break in the middle and we do something that uh, is a little bit different than the rest of the show. And right. in this instance, what are we going to do? We're going to talk about some of our favorite quotes from this movie. You mentioned this movie. You just want to quote from it. That's what's so much fun about it. It's like another fucking language. You know, you know, English and Christmas vacation. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's so true. So we're going to go through some of our favorite lines that I know, at least on my end, I'm going to go through some of the underdog lines to kind of give those a little bit of play. I knew you wouldn't take any of the obvious ones. All yeah. of mine are super obvious, of course, because I'm just like the worst. <laughs> You're a basic bitch. I'm a total basic bitch. <laughs> okay, so my first one is, of course, the cop from the end of the movie. Yeah. After he hears about Clark's boss cutting out the Christmas bonuses. That's pretty low, mister. If I had a rubber hose, I would beat you in two I minutes. I changed my mind. <laughs> Talk about maximizing your minutes. Dude is in the movie for 10 seconds, and he nails what is arguably the funniest line in the whole movie. <laughs> like, sometimes, and I don't even mean when I'm watching a movie. I could just be, like, staring off into space in just some, you know, cloudy afternoon. And I'll wonder, did that guy pull it off in one take? That whole scene at the end, it seems so complicated with all the cops coming in and everything. It's like, I mean, they probably took a bunch of takes on that one. That only improves the value of the line, because if you think about it, everything that happened in that scene, the cops jumping through windows, all the fucking chaos. Yeah. They did it all. So this guy who had not been in the movie previously <laughs> could talk about the rubber hose. 
<laughs> which is a play on like up your nose with a rubber hose. That's what they were going for. You're right. <laughs> so how about you? What was one of your favorite quotes? All right. So I, I did list them in importance levels. So okay. I'll go with the first one, which is. And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. That one is so obnoxiously <laughs> delivered because they're both the yuppie neighbors, right? Yep, yep. That's one I used to do forever. I just love the delivery of it. Yeah, and I've been around you. You like tagging even like <laughs> non-quote statements with the word Margot. <laughs> We're going to Jose Tejas tonight, Margot. <laughs> My second quote is from Aunt Bethany. Of course. Yeah, I'll be talking more about Aunt B shortly. <laughs> when they're all at dinner and they ask Aunt Bethany to say grace, she has the best response ever. Grace! She passed away 30 years ago. <laughs> oh, just the greatest fucking delivery. I oh, love that woman. <laughs> so uh, for my second pick, it's the scene where they're checking out the Christmas tree in the forest. Yeah. They pan over to Audrey who has her teeth chattering and everything. Yep. She looks all blue and uh, Clark looks over to her and he says, isn't it beautiful, Audrey? <laughs> and then Ellen says, she'll see it later, honey. Her eyes are frozen. <laughs> my last one is even more obvious than my other two, but I could not not bring up Clark's dad screaming squirrel. <laughs> or as he says it, it becomes a completely different word. It does. It's like three words sped like they, he recorded like a whole fucking speech and they just sped it up into one word. And that big zoom in like you're right. This is a little bit of a horror movie here. It is. I had this movie on VHS way back when and I would rewind that moment like 15 times in a row. John Randolph screaming squirrel is my personal siren song. <laughs> all right and for my last one so the actor sam mcmurray he's one of these guys where you say oh man I, he's in everything i know that guy right yeah so he plays the guy bill who's clark's co-worker okay oh that guy he is in everything yeah he's in everything so going back again to the swimming pool model scene yeah he comes into Clark's office and he, he comes over and he says, Well, have a really Merry Christmas. It sounds so sarcastic, right? So, like, if he said that to me, I'd stop and wonder if he was actually wishing me a Merry Christmas or mocking me for celebrating this holiday that he clearly finds totally absurd. He is so above it. This fucking <laughs> commercial bullshit. Go, go, go spend your money on nonsense, Clark. It just sounds bizarre. It's a very defeated way of delivering such an upbeat message. <laughs> yeah. Have a very just... merry Christmas. <laughs> You're like, are you asking me, telling me? I don't understand what's happening. I don't know if he could have looked more labored if he had tried to lift their <laughs> office building over his head. Like, it was so hard for him to get these words out of his mouth. And there is definitely another movie there. That should have been the plot for Christmas Vacation 2, which was awful. 
They could have just made Bill Sam McMurray the star of that. Yes, Bill. Sam McMurray is Bill in, in a retelling of Scrooge. <laughs> Bill, did you get your bonus yet? I just talked to my son. Uh, company messenger brought something to the house. I guess that's it. Nothing like waiting to the last minute, huh? Number seven. Okay, and now back to the game. <laughs> back to the action. <laughs> now that we've gotten all of the quotes out of our system. Yeah. So for my third pick from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, mm -hmm. I'm going with posters around the Griswold household. That's something you would do. There's various posters throughout the house that you get a glimpse of. And for me, posters were always like a really major thing. I've talked about it on the show before, I think. And yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. Just hold <laughs> up. Don't just gloss over you being like the insane poster aficionado <laughs> that you are. I am crazy like you that. You have had more than one conversation with me trying to figure out how you could buy one of those flip through displays like they have in Spencer's. Yes. Yeah. So like, this is not just some rando subject for you. This is something near and dear. Oh, it definitely is. And, yeah. and thank you for putting that over because it's true. I'm very obsessive and I still am with these posters and you've helped me quite a bit of times get a hold of posters that I've been really trying to track down. Yep. So I'm going to start with some of the more inconsequential ones and then work my way up all right first up we have rusty laying on the couch and above him there is a small poster of where the wild things are i noticed that and yeah. it's if i'm not mistaken in their living room yeah i was gonna say that it seemed like something that wouldn't be in such a shared part of the house wouldn't it be more of a den or a playroom or a bedroom you know or like yeah just like the kid's bedroom or you know yeah. maybe the attic or something but right there just tacked up with regular colored thumbtacks right in the living room yeah i think it's kind of cool though it's such a classy house but they weren't afraid to muck it up yeah, they yeah. Were... <laughs> if it feels good do it <laughs> so then we have in audrey's bedroom she has a guns and roses poster which i also had but in addition to every poster of that band that was available around like 87 88 yeah you mentioned the poster racks that you would flip through. Right. I used to go through them in like Sam Goody or Record Town, and I could just be there for like a half hour just trying to decide which one I wanted. Did you end up just buying them all? No, I would usually come home with a poster, though. But like then there was the challenge of trying to reconfigure where they went on my wall so it would get like the maximum exposure. And right. not, not necessarily to me. But, like, if you put the poster in a really primo spot on the wall, yeah, that would get the exposure, meaning, like, so if someone walked by, like, so say my sister brought a girl over, like, one of her friends, yeah, like, she would walk past my room and get the immediate glance of, like, that Kiss poster or the, you know, that heavy metal poster that was on my wall. Right, and they would know that you were cool. Exactly. It, like, upped your street cred. Yeah. And it, it was kind of like how Instagram is now. Yeah, that makes sense. I could see that. Yeah, now thinking back, I, I think there was an element of that to my poster placement as well. Yeah. You were kind of trying to show your best side. 
Yeah, exactly. And then on the inside wall that no one could really see if they walk by, that's where you put the stuff that, you know, might be a little bit childish to a girl that you had a crush on. Like that poster of Macho and Liz where Macho's in his underwear and Liz <laughs> is in a wedding gown. <laughs> and it's all creased because it was from a fold-out magazine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's just one random smiley face sticker somewhere on it. <laughs> so lastly, um, since we've expressed that I was very serious about posters, I was also lucky that I had parents who understood that I was like, really into these posters for some reason. And it wasn't like something that they used to bust my chops about having like posters of celebrity women or singers. Right. They took a hands-off approach to your poster habit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They were very cool about it. And the scene where the grandfather is sleeping and looks up at the ceiling to see a poster of this model Carrie Otis yep. in a guest swimsuit advertisement. Right. Like that would have been me, except it would have been like Samantha Fox or Madonna or Elizabeth or Debbie Gibson or whoever. Yeah. Now, I'd... would you have tacked them up on your ceiling, which is a little risque for this movie, I believe? I would think so. I mean, I've done that in the past. That was like a huge thing to do. I just mean like art is right. I mean, it's almost like his kind of material. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a little creepy. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> so you named three really good posters. I'm surprised that you didn't name the turtle poster that's right behind art. In oh, that same scene. You know why I did? Yeah, I didn't mention it because it. Number one, it was in a uh, a curious position. Yeah. And I didn't realize what was even happening in the poster. Well, I'm about to tell you what was really happening in that poster, Jay. Them two turtles, they was fucking. Oh, it was two turtles? And they was fucking. It did not look like that. It looked like a turtle and like a monkey or a gorilla. No, I believe it is two turtles and they are doing it. Oh, I need to zoom in closer to see if it's two turtles. Yeah, I mean, it is. And when you see it, you're not going to believe it because that means that somebody made the deliberate choice to include a poster on this set that featured two turtles doing it. <laughs> I'm Leonardo. <gasps> oh, you really are a turtle. Congratulations, lady. You just won the National Wildlife Award. Number eight. Is this the airport, Claude? We're here. Hey, Grizz. Me and Bethany figured out the perfect gift for you. Oh, Uncle Lewis, you didn't have to buy me anything. Damn it, Bethany, he guessed it. Oh, that was fun. I love riding in cars. When did you move to Florida? Ellen, are you still dating Claude? It is time for me to give a shout out to Uncle Lewis and Aunt Bethany. Officially. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, your, your favorite. Yeah, we're coming back to them. We're going to stay on them forever. Okay. They turn up in the movie at almost exactly the one hour mark. And all hell breaks loose from there. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, I know we love Clark and Eddie and everyone else. But you cannot really tell me that they didn't own the movie from the first moment they stepped on that screen. They really did make an impression. They made an impact. Yeah, yeah. This was a, they went for it. They got all the best lines. They had all the best bits. I don't think that this movie would have half of its reputation without those two. 
that might be a stretch, but I think I know where you're going. The late, great William Hickey as Uncle Lewis. At least it's out of its misery. Yeah. The late, great Mae Questel as Aunt Bethany. This house is bigger than your old one. Who was uh, the voice of Betty Boop at one time. She was, and like, she's essentially doing that <laughs> voice again here. It's basically Betty Boop, but it, as a senile, you know, 120-year-old woman. <laughs> So uh, we were talking about how Christmas vacation was sort of our vocabulary at one mm -hmm. point. Yeah. I ran with a different crew back when I was in my early 20s. Bunch of like guys and girls. And we all just sort of drifted apart because we were just going in different directions. Whatever. Shit happens, you know? Yeah. But the glue that held us all together through all of those years, I am convinced, was simply quoting those two characters. <laughs> it's like there was a point where we just didn't do anything but that. We couldn't talk intimately we didn't know anything about each other's private lives. It was basically just sit around and, like, quote Lewis and Bethany. <laughs> it's probably why, like, I can't, like, carry a conversation with people today. It's like, I don't know how to do it. Like, I just default to pledging allegiance and, and shit like that. I have yeah, no I mean, idea how to fucking speak. I think that's where, when you start to broaden your horizons... And you start to mix with different crowds and get more social. That's when you know you're pulling out some of the other lines that can't see the line, can you, Rusty? Yeah. Stuff like that. You start having a variety of lines that you could pull out. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And it's like, it's such a scary moment when you're with a new person because you know you got to break out a Christmas vacation line at some point. And if it doesn't go over, it's over. But You're, it's then you feel safe with Aunt Bethany and Uncle Lewis. You could always fall back to them. It's true. Everyone, there's not a person on the planet that doesn't know everything those two said. And why wouldn't they? Everything they said was fucking gold. And Uncle Lewis isn't a slouch either. Talk about He had that iconic voice too. So what's the matter with you? <laughs> you, you couldn't hear a dump truck <laughs> driving through a nitroglycerin. You're not doing anything constructive. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine having somebody like that in your family oh, oh my god well, Jay, that's the thing I, I sort of do like I've, I've had uncle lewis's and aunt bethany's in my family before they're no longer with us but to be fair neither are aunt bethany or uncle lewis <laughs> they want you to say grace the blessing I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Number nine. Boy, these gusty winds appear to be playing havoc with that giant nutcracker float. At this point, I can't even see the nuts. They must have blown away. But nothing is going to dampen the spirit of this holiday crowd, I can tell you that. Oh, here they are. Here come the nuts. These do look like giant nuts to me. There's a Thanksgiving parade showing in one of the scenes. 
Do you remember this, Matt? Yes, I do. And I'm like, it's probably the most colorless scene in the whole movie. Like, it's the most plain scene. I'm so glad you brought it up, though. The two grandfathers are snoring up a storm on the couch. So you're watching the footage, but you're also hearing the commentary from the hosts of the parade, right? Right. It's really pretty funny because the commentators are describing this giant nutcracker float. And they say, uh, at this point, I can't even see the nuts. They must have blown away. Yep. And the guy's voice is like so dry. And I feel like it had to be intentionally oh, put in. Oh, it is absolutely a fucking testicle joke. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, but like, even more so, I thought it might have actually been from the actual footage of the parade. So you thought they had like Al Roker or somebody out there saying balls on Thanksgiving morning? <laughs> Yeah, like maybe it was inadvertently funny and they just took the footage because someone found it hysterically funny. Yeah. He's been touting these nuts the whole time and like lamenting the disappearance of the nuts. Yeah. Yet when they return, he's like, oh, here come the nuts. Yeah, it's almost like, yeah, he lost his passion for the nuts. Yeah, where's the enthusiasm? Yeah. It's a little odd. He went from like a a 10 on the nuts to like a (laughs) 4. The best is that it mixes that soft kind of tone of uh, a Thanksgiving Day Parade commentary mixed with these old men snoring up a storm. Yep. The old timers always used to go on the couch and fall asleep at some point during a, a get together, you know? Yeah. And it's and, like the perfect room for it, too, because it's it's like the weirdest shaped room that yep. you would have in your house, like that awkward family room that was just like a tiny bedroom converted into one with the holidays when you were a kid and there was a ton of family over and stuff there was bound to be somebody pass the fuck out on the couch because they wake up at 3 a.m to go tinkle yep (laughs) i'm getting there myself jay (laughs) within all the ridiculousness that they show in the movie what's great about it is that when you get older you forget how the holidays are so chaotic and stuff. Yep. So watching this, it always makes me remember that I never feel like I'm getting older. Like I always still feel like rusty. I always feel like I'm in that perspective. Yeah, you totally do. You're you're basically going to be Johnny Glecky's rusty for the rest of your life. <laughs> I, on the other hand, am already at Uncle Lewis territory. <laughs> and it's only going to get worse for me. <laughs> So enjoy it. Wait, your Uncle Lewis, though, with uh, the other mother's uh, voice. Which, oh, with Doris Roberts? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, please. Yeah. If you ask 100 people which character from Christmas Vacation is Matt, they would all say fucking Doris Roberts. (laughs) Doris Roberts in Uncle Lewis's body. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Talk about pissing your money away. I hope you kids see what a silly waste of resources this was. He worked really hard, Grandma. So do washing machines. Number 10. Catherine, this turkey tastes half as good as it looks. I think we're all in for a very big treat. (laughs) (laughs) Save the neck for me, Clark. (laughs) Okay, Eddie. Look at that. <laughs> I'm sorry.
Why are you crying? Huh? I told you we put it in too early. Oh, it's just a little dry. It's fine. I told you. Here's the heart. So you know the infamous dinner scene where everyone gathers around to eat jello covered in cat food. <laughs> yes. And you, of course, remember the extra dry turkey, which literally exploded the second Clark tried to like carve into it. How could I forget that? It was like it was almost like claymation. Fucking like mutant monster balloon just popping. <laughs> that thing was amazing. Yeah. So here's my confession. I found that turkey really, really appetizing. Ugh, oh really? my god, I want to eat that so bad. It's like it was tailor made for me. You like dry meats? Ah, uh, all the meat had withered into like turkey jerky, and the skin was like tree bark, and that is exactly my preference when it comes to turkey. <laughs> the shot where the camera just sort of pans around the table and you see all of them all <laughs> chewing it like it's glass. Oh, oh, how my mouth waters. You have no idea, though, that when when Clark dips the turkey in water, mm -hmm. that totally grossed me out. Yeah, like, I, I oh. wouldn't have went for water myself. It would have to be like maybe a cherry Coke or something. But uh, <laughs> still, man, I'm 100% in on that fucking turkey. I mean, just dip it in the gravy or something. Come on. Yeah, he was he was just being dramatic. Let's face it. You know, he's put on a show. <laughs> There's no fucking reason for that. See, to me, that scene, like when he's trying to chew it, that puts it over big time. <laughs> but that's what, get, I mean, I don't know why I'm alone on this island. Doesn't anyone else like their turkey that way? <laughs> no, because the name of the game in the turkey world is moist. No, I fucking hate that word. My moist. thing is, you got, stop saying it. No, that's, that's banned <laughs> from the show. My thing is, you got to cook the gaminess out of the turkey. Ew, gaminess. That's banned from the I, show. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hate gaminess. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that whole dinner. I, I actually prefer Corey Haminess. Cor Corey Haminess, I think we could agree, is a good thing to be. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so I'm watching this family eat this destroyed turkey. These, this like these shards of destroyed tur oh, turkey. Yeah. And the cat food Jello, and I'm like interested in pretty much everything on that table. I have to be honest. The lime jello I'm in for, but I didn't realize there was cat food on top of it. Oh, yeah. There's cat food on top of it. Aunt Bethany, you just can't trust her to do anything right. She hasn't. Yeah, she wrapped up her GD She wrapped cat. up her damn cat. <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, for me, the most appetizing thing on the table was the massive, humongous mound of sweet potatoes. It was like mashed sweet potatoes, it looked like. Yes, there were a whole lot of them. It was amazing. It was fantastic until Cousin Eddie took a giant heaping spoonful and shoved it in his mouth and put the spoon oh, back. Oh, God, man, that we could agree on. I hate it when people do shit like oh, that. So disgusting, oh, man. Oh, God. That tainted from yeah. then on. It's like when you're like sharing salsa and they're holding the chip so deep that like their finger goes in it for a second. Oh, man. <laughs> the only person I wouldn't get grossed out if they did that would be Alexa Bliss. Naturally. Yeah. I'll take uh, Aunt Bethany. <laughs> Do you hear it? It's a funny squeaky sound. Number 11. Let her rip, hang pen. Oh, yeah. 
my final pick of the show is all about the sled music bed. Okay. Now the sled music bed, I also have alternate names for this one. Yeah. I'm calling it either the music bed for sled or the sled bed. And I'm thinking the sled bed might be the, the easiest to remember. Let me, let me think about this music bed for sled, sled bed, <laughs> sled music bed, sled music bed. <laughs> okay. So, so there's a scene where Clark, puts this varnish underneath a uh, sled that he has. It's kind of like a little flying saucer thing. Yeah, he, almost like a hubcap or something. Right, so he's polishing this thing up so it makes him go really fast on the snow down this hill. It was a fun scene, but it always felt like it was a little bit like shoehorned in. Yeah. Where you didn't know if they kind of just had a whole really elongated scene of them going to this Maybe there was a big family outing yeah. scene or something. Yeah, so the reason why I say that is because not only did the scene itself always kind of feel a little bit off to me, but it gets worse when you hear the music bed that's playing underneath the scene. First of all, I can't believe you're bringing this up because it was absolutely on my short list, and it's so, like, random. Yeah. So the fact that we both independently thought of it means that there is something not quite right about the scene and that music. Yeah. With that said, coming from two people like us, like, you know, with the stuff you've worked on and your background experience and the same with me, I know a shitty music bed that's not appropriate to a scene, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's, uh, there's no denying that that was not the best possible option for this scene. Yeah. It doesn't match up to the level of excitement of what's going on on the screen. So it's basically instrumental piano music, right? Yeah, it's almost like a, a Casio preset. It sounds like a music bed that would be on a like a local low budget commercial for like a furniture store or a jewelry <laughs> store. Like oh my god, 90s. it so fucking does. <laughs> I have a theory, okay? All right, what's your theory? The minute Clark takes off, oh, but right before, he puts his hood on, he says, "Later dudes." Yeah. And then after that, he crashes and then you see cousin Eddie and cousin Eddie says, "Bingo." Bingo. Yeah. So during the descent down the hill, it kind of seems in a way yeah. with all that said is that it was almost like he was surfing and you could play Wipeout by the Safaris. Oh, yeah. I totally can see that. And then instead of Cousin Eddie saying bingo, he could have said Cowabunga. He probably did. And you'll notice that there's a weird cut. Right before yeah. he says bingo, as if they did a reshoot because they could no longer use Cowabunga because it had no fucking context without that song. <laughs> it really did come off like they wanted to license some big name rock song and they were counting on it. And then with three seconds left before the big fucking premiere, it didn't pan out and they had to slug this shit in. Thank you, Miss Vito. <laughs> 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 no, I really do feel like there's something to that, or they just didn't want to pay the safaris for the song at that point. Because, you know, when we were younger, the commercials, they all had some version of Wipeout. I mean, that was it was like such a popular song. So yeah. they were probably raking in the dough from that thing. You no, know? Listen, let's think about this here. This random scene with the sledding, which is very far apart from the rest of the movie, it would only make sense if they were going to construct it around a real song. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I don't know how they ended up with, like, stock music from one of those libraries YouTubers use when they're down to five bucks in PayPal, but here we are. <laughs>
And it also, like, it would have really been up the alley of those Ninja Turtle fans because they were so hot at that time. Oh, yeah. 1989 was a big year for Clark, but also a big year for Donatello. You're right. Yeah, the kids would have went wild for it. Mm -hmm. I just hope they don't see that poster in Rusty's room. So that was our show about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, a show that we've probably been talking about doing for years now. Yeah, a long time coming. I'm glad we finally got to it. Oh, me too. Finally off the freaking list. It was good to celebrate the movie. We're big fans of the movie, and obviously it gets credit. You know, they've had documentaries on TV, and it's finally getting all the licensed merchandise. Right. And it's gotten to the point where it's sort of like some of these other classics at this point so it's weird because i feel like it was actually getting there like five years ago and then it sort of plateaued Mm -hmm. and now it almost feels like there aren't as many people as wild about it as we are so for me like doing this show is our way to kind of remind everyone that it's there and it's wonderful yeah i think that's a great point good so let's do our thing all right you brought to the table tonight the taz mug Mm-hmm. The sled music bed. <laughs> the Jason slash Leatherface slash Clark scene. Mm-hmm. Posters from various scenes in the movie. Yeah. And the nut obsessed Thanksgiving parade announcer. <laughs> and well, I mean, we could have another discussion about why they're showing the Thanksgiving parade. We'll do that off the air. Yeah. Um, looking at that list, wow. Those are all very very j picks every single one of them is very very j (laughs) but if i had to pick one yeah i think i'm gonna give it to the task mug really wow i was not expecting that at all well i wasn't expecting the task mug what do you want i mean this is like you know we're doing these shows we're trying to talk about things that not a million people have already said a million times Mm. And you bust out a freaking Warner Brothers store ceramic Taz mug. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, uh, I think that's something that doesn't get a lot of discussion. So you, it's a good point. Yeah. yeah. You kind of fucked yourself, though, because I know you have all those on your watch list. And now they're about to jump on up because we're creating yeah, the- a new market tonight. <laughs> Well, the only reason why I brought it up is because that's just one of those things where I've settled within my soul that I don't need this. Yeah, we finally I mean, found course, where you draw the line. Yeah, I, I mean, unless somebody wants to send it to me, that's a completely different story. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe maybe someone out there has one and loves you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's take a look at your pick. So we have the delicious dry turkey. Yep, you love that pick. <laughs> we have Aunt Bethany and Uncle Lewis, mm-hmm. who stole the show. Your uh, favorite Christmas tree. Oh, yes, the Griswold family Christmas tree, right? Right, the be-all, end-all of Christmas trees. Big lights, popcorn, garland, the works. <laughs> the whole schmear. The ho- <laughs> <laughs> and then the things Matt wants from Clark's office. 
and how Moose Mugs made you love eggnog. Man, I was kind of all over the place, wasn't I? I mean, you definitely have an eclectic mix here, too. I will have to say, though, I am very, very fond of the things Matt wants. I really like that because, again, that kind of goes along with what you were saying. This is one of those aspects of the movie where not a lot of people talk about it. And more people should because that model swimming pool is just aces. <laughs> I'm going to drop Aunt Bethany and Uncle Lewis. I'm sorry. I have to do that because I like them, but I don't like them as much as you. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the matter with you? <laughs> I think you actually have an Uncle Lewis soundboard that you're using. <laughs> this is my real voice, Jay. <laughs> Um, I'm going to drop the dried turkey because it's gross. <laughs> really? I thought you were going to go with the dried turkey when I constructed the system. Like, oh, this is it. I'm like fucking Ralphie writing the letter to his teacher. <laughs> this is so good. This is so good. Uh, the Christmas tree, the Griswold family Christmas tree, I like a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to I'm going to leave it off because it's too sticky, too much sap. Yeah. <laughs> so that's off off the table. Uh, I think I'm leaning toward the moose mugs and the things Matt wants. And I think I'm going to go with the things Matt wants because that's the one pick that's very underrated. You got everything in this pick. And the doing. Doing, yes. <laughs> All right. So what a show. What a show. We have uh, just absolutely fucking murdered this movie tonight here. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the time is now. It's totally safe to start watching this movie every single night from now through Christmas. And I could definitely do that. Me too. This is such a great just throw it on and go about your business sort of movie. Like, you don't have to pay attention to it. You just like knowing it's on. It's like having a friend around. Yeah, I still have to fast forward through the scene where he watches the home movies. Oh my god, <laughs> that's a tearjerker. I know, I think I said that on one of our other shows, but yeah. oh my god, it's just such a tough part. Yeah, people don't know this about you, but you get affected by those kind of things. You put yourself in his shoes and you're like, oh man, you're all alone, stuck up in the attic. Yeah. You know, the only thing you have is the ability to reminisce. Yeah, yeah, these eight millimeters of your your happy parents when they were much younger. And then the whole movie from Sinister plays and there's three kids hanging from a tree. Oh my god. <laughs> Someone must have, there must be like a recut of that on YouTube. Clark Somebody... just wistfully smiling at the scene that opens that movie. See, I turned everything into a horror film, I'm telling you. It's your thing, that's your bag. <laughs> So let's remind everybody that our Patreon is up and running. If anybody wants to support the show, that's P A T R E O N dot com slash purple stuff. We appreciate all the support. Thank you so much. We'll have more exclusive content coming your way on there. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. Very exciting. So this has been the Purple Stuff Podcast. I'm Jay from the Sexy Armpit. I am Matt from Dinosaur Dragon. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. You can feel the magic in the air. Ding, 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 ding. Let the spirit of the season 
And you are listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast.